Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 7th of April, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from John, chapter 12, verses 20 to 36 and brings us a message entitled, With Jesus on the Calvary Road, The Hour. In a few weeks' time we will be celebrating our Lord's resurrection at the Easter season. With that in mind, I want to commence a short series of meditations, both morning and evening, which I'm calling With Jesus on the Calvary Road. With Jesus on the Calvary Road. We're reading this morning from John chapter 12 and commencing our reading at verse 20. I'm reading from the ESV. John 12, commencing at verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him. We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And we thank God for his word. Father in heaven, we thank you for our Bibles. We thank you for the written word of God. And we thank you for the living word, Jesus Christ himself, the bread from heaven. We pray that through the gracious ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning, we will see him more clearly. We will love him more dearly. We will follow him more nearly, for Christ's sake. Amen. 
Some years ago, Sir William Osler was Riga's professor of medicine at Oxford. And one day he was passing through a ward of very sick children. After examining and prescribing treatment for his last little patient, he turned and walked briskly from the ward, whistling a very cheerful song. Outside the ward in the corridor, one of his staff spoke to him. Sir, he said, how can you whistle seeing what you've just seen? My dear friend, replied the professor, I just had to whistle or weep, so I whistled. What the young man failed to appreciate was that Sir William's apparent lightheartedness was only a means of concealing a heart that was heavily burdened with care and compassion for the children that he was caring for. And that leads me to say something that I've often said, how often a a smiling face and a cheerful countenance conceals hearts that are bowed down and broken with life's pressures. None felt such inner pain and pressures like the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Here in John chapter 12, the Savior is drawing near to Calvary. The shadows of the cross are looming largely across his appointed pathway. And as we read John's account of this incident, we are given insight into the Savior's heart that should have a profound impact upon us as we walk with Jesus on the Calvary road. Here's what we read this morning in John 12, uh, verse uh, 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And here are two prayers contained within the space of two verses. One was suggested only to be rejected. The other was offered. The circumstances around the incident are suggestive and challenging. In these verses, first of all, I want you to see a heart that was troubled. Now is my soul troubled. One translation puts it like this. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Another renders it, now is my soul in turmoil. The emphasis is this, now my soul is in constant turmoil. And the tense of the verb denotes a constant state of agony. Sometimes there are things that we don't look forward to. And it has a physical effect upon us. Our stomachs turn at the thought of it. The palm of our hands sweat and there is a cold sweat across our brow. And as Jesus considered his future, his heart was troubled. You ever troubled about the future? Think of the Lord Jesus and his troubled heart. And in these verses, we are brought into contact with something which we tend to ignore, and that is the true humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was fully God, we know that. But not only was he fully God, he was also truly man. And as man, think of the suffering entailed in the future for him. 
the path that he would have to walk in the will of God. The feast referred to here in all probability was the Passover. And Jesus himself needed no one to remind him that soon the lamb that was brought to sacrifice it would no longer be required. There would be another lamb and he would know the reality of the lamb being offered for sacrifice in order for the plan of God to be fulfilled with regard to our salvation. Think not only of the suffering entailed in the future for him, think of the solitude entailed in the future for him. The path that he would have to tread in the will of God for him would be one that he would have to tread alone. No one could and no one would share it with him. And when the time came, those who might have been expected to help him by their presence and prayers would fail and flee. His heart was troubled. And as we listen to the Lord Jesus here, we see a great biblical truth being set out before us. That Jesus Christ alone was the bearer of our sin. Paul uses these words in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Can you imagine the contrast in that word? No sin. Not even a thought. Not even one iota of sin in his mind, in his thought, in his heart, in his soul. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God becoming sin for us. Here is the Savior of the world, disturbed and troubled in mind. We're listening now to the one who can heal diseases with a touch, cast out devils with a word, command the winds and the waves to obey him. And as we listen, we note that he's experiencing great agony and conflict of spirit. How can this be explained? Well, some say that it was the thought of his physical and painful death on the cross. But surely there's more to it than that. After all, many a martyr has shown more calmness and courage than what appears to be here. And this is the conclusion that many reach if their view of Christ's death on the cross is that it was only an example of self-sacrifice. Nothing can ever explain our Lord's troubled heart here and in the Garden of Gethsemane apart from the fact that he was experiencing the burden of man's sin. Your sin and my sin was weighing heavily upon him and pressing him down. And it was the mighty weight of the world's guilt, your guilt and mine, being laid on him which brought this telling response, Now is my heart troubled. All my sin, all my sorrow, all your sin, all your sorrow was about to be laid on the blessed Son of God. And if anyone would dare to ask, how do you know that all your sins were laid on him? Then bring them to these verses that are before us this morning. He knew what lay ahead of him. He knew that he was about to endure God's wrath as he paid for our sin. Paul puts it like this in Galatians 3, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being become, by becoming a curse for us. Literally, the Christ of God became the cursed one. Jesus cursed for our sins. That's an incredible 
concept, but it's true. Christ bearing our sins, carrying our sins, groaning under the burden of our sins, and taking away our sins. But his death was sufficient because as an infinite being, in a moment of time, he could pay the infinite price for our sins. That's why Jesus is in turmoil. He speaks and he says, Now is my heart troubled. Now is my heart in agony. Now is my heart in pain. Because in a few hours I will be bearing the world's sin and suffering separation from my Father in heaven. The soul of the very God who holds this universe in place was in turmoil because he would, he would bear our sins in his body on that tree on Calvary's hill. In the garden of Gethsemane he would pray, My heart is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. We are told that going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. And the tense indicates that he was repeatedly casting himself to the ground as he asked God if there was another way. Here we see his humanity. Luke tells us, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and the sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. His revulsion was intensified by the thought of his separation from the Father. They created the universe together. They had enjoyed a perpetual intimacy. In the garden he would pray, Abba, Father. On the cross he would cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now is my heart troubled. It gives us a look into the very heart of Christ as he anticipated that horror and desolation. And if we see Christ here, and if we hear Christ speak and sense what is going on, we will never be the same again in our attitude, in our approach, in our appreciation of the cross. There's a heart that was troubled. There's a heart here that was tempted. Now is my heart troubled and what shall I say? It's very important that we take our time reading the Bible. That we don't rush through and in our haste miss the impact of the verse. I believe this verse should be read like this. Now is my heart troubled. Pause. And what shall I say? Pause. Father, save me from this hour. Pause. No, it was for this very reason that I came into the world. Father, glorify your name. What a prayer. From the moment the Lord stepped into this world, through his incarnation from the earliest days of his earthly life, he knew that he was to be about his father's business. You remember what he said to Mary in the house in Bethany? Woman, my hour is not yet come. But here, that hour was nearer than that day. He knew all about this hour, and so did Satan. Satan, his enemy, and what a victory he would have accomplished if he had prevented the Savior from fulfilling this hour. And even when Christ hung on the cross, the wicked suggestions of Satan were still bombarded against the Lord Jesus. The people said, he saved others. Let him save himself. 
if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. But you know something? I'm so grateful this morning that he's dead on the cross. I'm so grateful he's dead on that cross. And thank God he did. These words bring us into the very depths of the Savior's heart and reveal the struggle that took place within and a struggle that reveals the natural feelings of one who was perfect man and as man could suffer all that man is capable of suffering. You suffering this morning? You suffering physically? You suffering emotionally? You suffering spiritually? There is a Savior who knows just what it is to be where you are. Here is something that Christians should take note of. An inner struggle of soul is not in itself a sinful thing. In some minds, this prayer would have been a sensible prayer. Father, Save me from this, from this harm. Who needs this horrible ending to such an exemplary life? Who needs to go through these agonies when there might be other ways to accomplish the mission for fallen mankind? It's not human for any father, let alone God the Father, to stand back and allow the son whom he professes to love to endure this awful hour. So there's a sense in which uh, this prayer might have been a sensible prayer, but it would have been a selfish prayer. Save me. Spare me. And it would have been a sad prayer because it would have meant simply no sacrifice. And had there been no sacrifice, there would have been no salvation. If this prayer had been prayed, what a tragedy if it had been answered no cross, no Calvary, nothing but condemnation. Satan gaining the victory and the life of Christ ending in defeat. The mission and plan of God unfulfilled. On this Calvary road, as we listen and look to the Lord Jesus, we see a heart that was troubled. We see a heart that was tempted. We see a heart that was trusting. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And these words surely communicate the depth of trust and confidence that lies behind the word Father as it fell from the lips of God the Son. They represent a request that seemed impossible. How could the Father's name be glorified in the grim and gross events of the cross? To the natural mind, it seems mad and unreasonable to ask that God's name be glorified through the cross. Calvary, from a human standpoint, seemed to be dark, dismal, and distant from the heart of a loving Heavenly Father that no glory could ever come from it. It seemed to be an impossible request. But my dear friends, there's a response here that was immediate. Then a voice came from heaven. 
I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And if you travel through the Gospels, you will realize that this is the third time God spoke audibly from heaven. The first time in our Lord's baptism. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, at the climax of our Lord's ministry, God spoke from heaven at the commencement of His ministry, at the climax of His ministry on earth, and at the crisis of His ministry. The first time when He went down into the waters, the second time when He went down from the mountain, and the third time when He was preparing Himself to go down into death. He glorified His name in His birth. He glorified His name in His life. And now He was glorifying His name in the death of His Son on the cross. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it. Is not this the story of the church? Even in the dark days of the church, even when it seemed from a human perspective that the church was finished, it was gone. It had been removed. Even in the darkest moments, the witness of the church down through the centuries has been the proof of this great truth that Christ has glorified his name and that he will glorify his name. And even the darkest moments of our lives can bring glory to him. There was none more darker than Calvary for the Savior of sinners. This morning we have commenced a little journey on the road to Calvary. Not an easy road to travel. One that was fraught with loneliness, agony, fear, and tears. Agony in the garden, mocking in the trials, the physical abuse, the spitting, the jeering, the scorning, the scourging, the crown of thorns, that heavy cross he bore, and on top of all that, the anguish of being made sin for us, the horror of darkness and the bitter taste of death. The hour was drawing near. And Jesus speaks. And he says, Father, what shall I say? Save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it again. As we are given an insight into the heart of the Savior, we see a heart that was troubled. A heart that was tempted and a heart that was trusting. We give thanks to God for his word. And as we come to celebrate the Lord's death in his divinely appointed way, if you're a child of God this morning, if you have any appreciation of the agony and the pain and all that Jesus went through to procure your salvation, then you will give serious attention to the words of Christ when he said, do this 
in remembrance of me. As we come to the Lord's table, we're going to reflect and sing these